Moore. I'm talking to the writers, the co-creators of Freedom Writers. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Uh, how are you guys doing? Good. Thank you Good. for having us. A little yeah, tired. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. So we've got Richard Allen and Taryn Gray. They have written a full-fledged musical that has just been released. It, it, it was a long-awaited world premiere recording. Uh, I know that you guys have been working on this musical for a number of years. It was released through Broadway Records and Theater Barn Records, and it's only out digitally currently. But I want to know, before we get into Freedom Writers itself, how did you guys meet as a writing duo? Taryn, you yeah. for that? Sure, sure, yeah. Um, we... So we met back in, gosh, I, I should know, I should actually know the, the date, but um, I think it was 2014, maybe. Um, is that, do you think that's close to be? No, that can't be. No, that's not right. Like 2000, 2000, 2008. 2008. Oh You're yeah. like 1947. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we met in 2008. Um, we both grew up in theater in San Diego. And uh, we have a lot of the same friends in common, having grown up both in theater with the theater community. But we didn't actually start working together until 2008. And uh, and yeah, we hit it off right away. We both wanted to we were both really passionate about creating um, content and we just wanted to make media. And we both had a, a drive for that. So we got together and quickly became uh sort of best friends and collaborators at the same time because through that yeah that's about right that's so pure <laughs> a lot of times people are like well you know we went to nyu and we just had to have a writing team and i'm like i've heard this before um so <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's nice and i i just i'm so curious like how did you guys pick freedom writers as a story Oh, yeah. I mean, it picked us, you know, we'll say that that statement, <laughs> like everyone says, right? Um, you know, honestly, the funny thing is we, when we got together as best friends and, you know, also started collaborating on things, we never in our minds thought we would ever work in musical theater. Um, we grew up in it. We were both performers in it, you know, but it was not something where it was on our brain to do. You know, my goal was to do film and television and he was doing music as a music artist. Um, so we were collaborating together in that way, but it wasn't about musical theater. So, you know, when musical theater came up, I was on a hiatus break from work um, and I just wanted to write something. I just needed to, something to do. And I called up our buddy, um, um, Jay Scott Lapp, who's a theater director, um, who's worked on really great projects like Bonnie and Clyde and um, Prince of Egypt and um, works a lot with Scott Schwartz. Um, what am I going to say his name wrong? Um, anyway. Even Schwartz? <laughs> uh, he works a lot with Scott Schwartz, his son. Ah, oh, uh, yes, yes. Yeah, who, you know, who directs everything. So um, so I, I called him up and I was like, hey, yo, what are you doing? You know, have any ideas for what you think would be a great show? Maybe we can do a project together. Um, and, you know, he was kind of like, well, I've got some ideas, but I don't know if I want to give them out, <laughs> you know, for that. You know, how we all are protective of these ideas that someone's going to steal. Oh, you're kidding. Um, As artists, we're really passionate about the work that we do. No way. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And so, you know, he was kind of guarded. But then he's like, hey, you should watch this um, Oprah special um, about the freedom rights. And I was like, cool, I'll, I'll do that, whatever. Um, and then I watched it and I was like, whoa, how do I not know about this? So I started to like basically just, you know, read everything and watch everything I could. 
was really excited about it, wrote up a treatment for it and like, okay, this is how it should go. Um, and, you know, and then I got together with Taryn and, you know, he plays the piano. I don't play the piano. Um, and so I was like, Hey, will you, I'm going to write some songs, but I, can you play the piano for me as I write them? You know, and that's always harder, right? Because you, as, as the songwriter, I've got to dictate to the, you know, person playing the piano, what I want. So I've got to sing it, you know, it's just this pro- longer process to do it, um, basically. And I think for him that, you know, was also slightly frustrating, <laughs> you know, to have someone doing that. But also I think he was, he was seeing how fun it was. <laughs> so he was jealous. <laughs> no, but, and I mean, I, actually that just happened naturally. You know, we were, we we're roommates at, at the same time. So um, it was just easier for me to just walk in a room and just go, okay, Hey, play this. And then him for him to go, Hey, how about I write it with you? Cause we have already written a ton of stuff together. Um, and I was like, okay, you know, not knowing what that would look like because we've never done musical theater together. Um, and we have some very strong thoughts about musical theater. Um, and so, um, it, it, it was, it was, I mean, now it's history, you know, we have an album, but that's kind of how it came together. Long story short, too yeah. late. An album and, and six musicals. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing, though. If you're roommates, it's like it, it's kind of the best collaboration process because you're like, dude, I know where you live. Like, you can't you can't not give me that line. <laughs> like, I see what Very you're true. doing. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Good and bad. Good and bad. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I could ever do it. Uh, so give me a synopsis of the show for people that didn't watch that Oprah special. Um, just listening to your recording gave me such a beautiful picture of what the story is. Um, but I'm just curious, like from your standpoint, what is the uh, what is the story of the show? You know, for us, we kind of pick up, you know, the, the, the it rides its a not just a singular event. It's a few different events that come together to create this one moment within time historically. Um, we kind of deal with a little bit of those things before, but we kind of really take on on the bulk of the show um, in 1961 when um, a, a group decided to basically challenge interstate travel law, which um, basically wasn't being upheld within the segregated South. They were basically still separating black and whites and they weren't supposed to because the Supreme Court um, case of Boyton And so um, these individuals got together and said, okay, we're going to make sure that they have to uphold this law, but that wasn't happening. So that group got, you know, their tails whooped, you know, basically their buses burned and then beaten. And then another group of college aged people decided to pick up where they left off. And these are like 18 year olds, 19 year olds, you know, and they decide to go ahead and go do the same thing in the deep South and challenge these laws. So our, our story kind of picks up there. Um, in a big way. And we kind of follow that group as they um, traverse, you know, through this, not only physically and emotionally, but also politically as well, um, because there was a lot of politics involved in this process. Um, So it's, we kind of pick up that in that place as a, as a story, we go from that moment to the moment when they win um, and actually get the interstate commerce committee to agree with them to uphold those laws. It's always fascinating to me that consistently through history and even current day, so many equality movements rest on the shoulders of young people. And we like see these names in textbooks and we're like, sorry, don't forget they were children. Like they were Mm -hmm. 
young people. Like I want to reference this because John Lewis had the opportunity to see your show and, you know, he's represented in this work. And I'm just curious, like, can you imagine seeing yourself like, right? Like that's a young person playing me. (laughs) Like, it's just, it's fascinating. Yeah. John and John Lewis was really, really, he was young. I mean, he was a college student at the time. Uh, The fascinating thing about John Lewis when it comes to the rides is that, is that um, like Richard was talking about how there was a group before the college students, uh, John Lewis was actually picked to be a part of that group as well. So that was with uh, CORE, the Congress of Racial Equality. And um, he was actually a part of those rides as well. And then when and then when the students pick up the rides after CORE, uh, John Lewis goes and joins the students as well, and, and which are actually his peers because he's the same age as them. Uh, but that's sort of part of the fascinating thing about John Lewis's part in this story is that he was part of that entire arc. Uh, yeah, I, I apologize. I have to mention John Lewis because I'm a Georgia girl and that's just part of what I have to do yeah. legally. Um, so he's big, a good one to mention. Yeah, we <laughs> love it. We love John Lewis. We love John Lewis. <laughs> uh, yeah, and miss him dearly. So you've had several lives with the show. You know, in 2016, you took the Beta Award at the New York Musical Festival. You returned in 2017 with the same show at NIMF with outstanding music and getting the honors of social impact and relevance. What has changed throughout the entire process? Has it just been like, you know, changed songs? Have you pivoted the story in any which way? Have you given a narrative to someone? I'm always fascinated by the um, by the the different workshop versions of a show. Yeah, I mean, the show itself is um, is a very hard one because we we are taxed with the idea of how do you represent 300 and something folks, you know, within a show, which took all of them to do. Um, to, you know, make this thing happen. There was not one singular person that was the, the linchpin and how why they were successful. So for us, you know, to put the emphasis on one person um, in the show feels um, inauthentic and, um, and in a lot of ways, like, wrong. <laughs> and so we have this really heavy lifting where we're, like, trying to do the representation of all those folks without doing that. So our numbers have varied. That's probably been the biggest significance is the amount of folks in the show, you know, from 2016, it was 21 and 2015, I mean, 2017, it was uh, 15 or 16, you know, and uh, recently we did a concert and I believe it was 11, you know, and now we're going back up to probably around 17, 18 folks um, for the newer iteration of the show. Um, when that happens, we do bring in, um, you know, we have changes of what writers are there or are not there. Um, and that's been hard because we've had to pull different, you have all these folks who are writing basically, but they all wrote at different times. So you have some that were a part of the May, June, July, you have some that are part of the September to October time period. And so we had to come up with this idea of, are we going to be, are we only going to follow one group or are we going to kind of pull representations that we need to explain this story and why it was so, why it was so successful and, 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 you know, and so important to our history. So we just have decided to go the representation route now, finally with the show, um, which I think is probably the best iteration to really um, showcase, you know, um, the, the different narratives that were going on um, and the different historical narratives that are going on. But yeah, it's, 
it's really been about um, more the folks in the show, the characters, the people, than it has been about the songs. We, I think we've changed probably three songs um, in the show. And it's not based on the storytelling. It's based upon whether we can listen to them for another 30 times. <laughs> yeah, you I mean, that's, that's hard. Like, I watched the video of Bryn Williams, who I adore, and she's like, oh, they found out that I can hit these notes, so now I have to sing these notes. I'm like, girl, yeah, you're always going to have to hit those notes. What are you talking about? You love hitting those notes. So um, that was really, really cool to see. The music is so very powerful from, like, the very, like, top of the album. It reminded me of the Michael Kilgore viral video that I remember from, what, 2016 or something crazy? And yes. I was like, I don't know what this is, but whatever the hell it is, I guess we're all going to watch it. Like, it's just, it was, <laughs> it was so captivating. Within like 10 seconds, I watched all the actors like moving backward in their seats to this glorious note. And I was just like, this is insane. And this was, you know, a 30 second clip. So, and, and now you've gained this incredible social following behind the piece, which I think is part of the, I, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts because you are on the forefront of the next generation of musical theater writers. Um, do you think that, you know, social media, all that stuff has an impact on what happens to the life of your show? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, uh, I mean, Richard and I talk about this a, a lot. Um, I wouldn't say that we're 100% unanimous with each other's opinions, but we're, we're very, very close. And the very close is the idea that um, the overlap is the idea that, you know, it's it's the thing that's right now aging Broadway is is not adapting to uh, social media more, you know, and and I really think that that's something that with our generation, like it's going to it has to it has to exist because we care so much. And because we because we all have such a digital footprint now you know, like the, this, our shows have to be part of that digital universe, you know, that also exists. Um, and I really believe that to be true for, for all theater, you know, moving forward. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with that. I think the, you know, I'm a big fan of social media and I'm a big fan of, you know, us using it. Um, and I think we're trying to find that line between, you know, you have great um, social media musicals that have happened, you know, Ratatouille, Bridgerton, you know, they're even nominated for even a Grammy be more chill. album. It be never would have made it. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. exactly. Thank goodness for Tumblr, right? <laughs> so you have these really wonderful things that have happened in social media to bring that through. But I think what you find the struggle for those shows still is how do I translate that from, you know, um, this digital social world to actually getting butts in the seats now? And I think that's the sticky point that you see a lot of traditional shows looking at. They're going, well, great. It's great social media wise, but it's not translating in the way where we have a line of ticket sales for five, seven months that are, you know, sold out and it has to do that. Well, yeah, so I mean, look at Diana, you know, their, their right. social media presence in the last three weeks was cuckoo and they had to close within a month. And if all the people that were following them and talking about them could have had the opportunity to go buy a, a ticket to see it, they probably would have. However, exactly. there was a digital recording of it for Netflix. So they have that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, I think I think Lin-Manuel did some really brilliant things. I, I honestly think one of the most maybe one of the most brilliant things about the Hamilton rollout is really the ham for hams that, that he did, because yeah. it gave us. It gave us so many moments where all of us theater nerds 
mm-hmm. got to see nerdy things that we wanted to see, you know, and, and yeah. they were viral and they were shareable. And it's, it kept it's about that connect every week. It's about that connectivity, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and I think that's what you have to keep going for. And that's why I think we try to live between both of those worlds. You know, we really, I think we've, we've sold really well, no matter when we do this show. We sell, we sell very well. And I think it's because we really think about um, our media presence being about getting folks to the show to experience it, you know, and which we think is super important to do. But to also know that the, each thing has its own experience. Social media is its own experience. It's not a replacement mm. of sitting yeah. in the seats. It's its own thing. And we treat each one as its own thing to create this holistic idea of what entertainment is. And that's kind of how we look at it. Yeah. The the thing that I have to try that I remind all these, you know, um, tried and true veterans of theater that aren't on this new wave is that guys, for me, this is about accessibility. Like the idea that someone who maybe physically cannot be in a theater for very long or at all, even because of the size of a doorway or whatever it is, like you have the opportunity to listen to a full-fledged album that you guys have created. You have the opportunity to watch TikToks with music videos surrounded so I can build a picture around the story, right? So I, I hope that that's part of the future of this, but it's people like you that are telling people it's going to work, you know? So with that being yeah. said, you've got digital uh, You've got digital out right now at the album. You're going to have physical CDs printing at the end of January. And then in February... Uh, you've got this new project coming out that's kind of in tandem with uh, Freedom Writers. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, you're you're right on the the lynch the linchpin for us of why we do that, why we put out the album was for accessibility because both of us, even growing up as theater kids, knew that we fell in love with stories of theater through the through the soundtrack because we didn't always get the opportunity to go sit sit in a theater, especially a Broadway caliber theater and, and listen to these things. So absolutely. That's the reason behind putting out the album. Um, and that's the same thing with, with our, with our album that's coming out in February, uh, which is, uh, called freedom songs. And it's, uh, it's basically, it's the, it's the same cast that's on the freedom writers album. Um, as we were recording the album, we also recorded freedom songs, which are all the songs that, uh, the freedom writers in 1961 originally sang. Um, and Bernard Lafayette, who wrote, who was a freedom writer, who wrote a lot of those songs. Uh, we had a phone call with him before going into creating the album and asked him what songs we think needed to be included. And he gave us an extensive list. And we went off of that list to create uh, this album. It's completely acapella. Um, it's, I think, n- eight or nine songs total. And it's all of the uh, songs that were originally sung by the by the writers. That's insane that you're in. And, and that's what also is so amazing about this whole thing is like, it seems like so far back in history. And I'm like, these people are still alive. You're still able to like talk <laughs> yeah, to text. them. We can text them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's crazy. It's just nuts. Um, so to kind of wrap everything up, this is such an amazing project that I know is not finished at all. What do you want the future to be? Because I see it so cinematically, but that's just like me wanting the best for everyone. <laughs> Um, what, uh, what is, what is, I mean, I hate framing it this way, but like, what is your, um, dream or opportunity or, uh, plan with the show? Yeah. I mean, I think for us is to get as many people to see and experience, um, what the revolution of young folks looks like, 
Um, and so for us, you know, I think we're open to any medium um, that allows us to do that um, in the best possible way. You know, I think as musical theater kids and nerds, you know, obviously you always believe that, you know, some great regional sit down into a Broadway run is like the dream, right? But, you know, I'm also a film guy and that's my probably where I work the most. And to see a cinematic version of this would be super, super dope and lovely and amazing. And I want to do it all, you know, I don't feel like, I feel like there's different ways to tell this story. Um, I think stage is one way and I think film is another way. We already just did the audible version of it. And gosh, I'd be, I'd love to see a podcast of it. I want as many people to be able to experience it because for us, you know, we realize there's no way that I would have seen a Broadway show. My first Broadway show was like five years ago. Um, and that's mainly because, I mean, there's no way that my mom was going to be able to afford to take me to New York to go see a Broadway show. So a lot of my experience of what theater was, even as a professional kid actor, was through these albums. That was my experience of them. Or a PBS special where they taped the thing and they did a concert of it. Literally, <laughs> those, those were my two ways. Into the Woods, I'm so grateful they recorded Into the Woods, the stage version originally, because that was my literal first way of seeing a musical on stage besides being in them. Um, and you know so, that that's true for so many people, like consistently crazy, right? when I yeah. talk to so many theater artists, they go, I mean, seeing into the woods, uh, as a recording. And I'm like, I wonder if they have any idea the impact yeah. that they had, right? because, uh, I, I don't think so. I really don't. It, it is. Yeah, I'm so, so glad that influenced you. Look, you wrote, you've written so many things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine was Mary Martin's Peter Pan. <laughs> that was the, that was the first one I saw. I don't know how yeah, to feel about that. Cool um, but that's cool. <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, that's great. Yeah. So I think any any medium possible to tell this story where we are open to um, to doing. Yeah. Wrestling for freedom and unity. We do it peacefully. Multiple angles, but symmetry. Same direction. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on. Taryn, Richard, I know that this is not the last time we will talk about your projects because uh, you're, you as a team are just unstoppable. And I'm really excited for everyone to listen to this album if they haven't already. Uh, we're going to keep plugging it on the show because it's absolutely phenomenal. Please be proud of your work and continue on even in this crazy not good time um there are good things on the horizon so thank you guys so much agreed thank you grace this has been really wonderful yeah thank you grace awesome thank you If you're not willing to die for it